Well, good evening and welcome to our Bible study. And if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to the book of Revelation. And we're going to read just the first part of Revelation chapter 1, starting to read at verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to show his servants what must take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power for ever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha, the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Well, let's just pray before we look at this passage together. Our Father, we just thank, the, thank you that we can gather around your word in, in this way. We know that there's a lot in this passage that we won't understand, but we just pray that you will reveal to us the things that you would have us know and that through it we might trust you that we might see more of you. And we just ask your blessing upon us as we continue in this book of Revelation. Our Father, we just bring these things into your presence now as we come in the power of your Holy Spirit and we come in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this book of Revelation, um, it can be seen as being a very complicated book, which it is, but it's a good book that we should can come to, and we should come to, and uh, we're going to do that now. Now, the word revelation means to reveal or to disclose. And in this book of Revelation, there are hidden things that will be revealed to John, who was instructed by God to write down the things that he has seen and heard for all to read. You know, Lotus Cars have just launched a new car called the Amira. During production, it was hidden from the public view. It was first revealed to the press so that they could introduce it to the public. On that first occasion, they were only given a glimpse of the car and they were given a limited understanding of its potential. Now, I know that this is a poor illustration, but I want us to keep in mind a number of important things as we listen to what John has to say to us in this book of Revelation. Firstly, only God has all the answers. As we've seen in our study in the book of Job, the Lord is the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, that is the all-powerful, all-knowing and all-present God. So we must realize that we are given only a glimpse of some things that are, in truth, far beyond our understanding. And we, like Job, must accept the wonderful truth of who the Lord is. He is the one who knows the why and the wherefores. He is the one who's in control. 
and it's not us. And he's the one who can say this. And the only one who can say this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And God does say this in Revelation 22 verse 13. Secondly, when you hear the word apocalypse, I don't know what you think, but you might bring to mind some disaster movie that you've seen where there's death and destruction and it's in a chaotic world without hope. This is not what we see in the book of Revelation. The word revelation is a translation of the original Greek title for this book. It was originally called the Apocalypse of John. Now the word apocalypse comes from the Greek word which literally means to pull the lid off. So the word revelation means just that, to pull the lid off in order to show things that have been uncovered. So thirdly, in the book of Revelation, the Lord is pulling back a curtain so that John can glimpse the things that the Lord wants us to know. And we won't understand all the things that he has to say to us. Fourthly, the book is written in a style of some of the Old Testament books, such as Daniel, a style that the first readers of this book of Revelation would be familiar with. You see, Revelation is full of Old Testament references, and we're going to see that. And it's full of symbolism. Symbols, the things that representing things that are beyond our comprehension. We've seen some of that in the book of Job. Fifthly, the events in this book are not always in chronological order. Now, we need to understand that. And we will see that as we go along through the book. And finally, sixthly, the purpose of the book is not so that we can know the how and the when of the future. It's not so that we can know what heaven will be like. What it does, it gives us the privilege of having a fleeting glance at the things that the Lord wants us to know. And one of those things is that he wants us to know that he is in control. And again, we see parallels here with Job. This is what he needed to understand. Understand who God is and that God is in control. So I want us this evening, just as an introduction, to, to take a, a walk through the first three verses. We may go a little bit further. We'll see how time goes. But let's just walk through these three verses, verse 1 to 3. Verse 1. The revelation from Jesus Christ which God gave him. Right. We'll stop there for a moment. You see, we know that God revealed things to Jesus during his earthly ministry. And Jesus shared these things with his disciples. He did it by telling them what God had given to him. The revelations given to him from God were about things that would happen to him and also things that would eventually happen to them. But one of the things was that Jesus would need to die. At the time, the disciples didn't fully understand how or why. But at the time, they needed to know that these things would happen even though they didn't fully understand. 
So, back to verse 1 of Revelation, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. You see, these things that he's going to show us are things for us to know. Things that will happen to those who will serve him after his ascension and until his return. We need to know about these things. As I've already said, things that we may not at this point fully understand. And then that verse goes on. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. You see, Jesus revealed these things to the apostle John by way of his spoken voice, by way of the voice of angels, by the voice of the Holy Spirit, and by the voice of God. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. Then in verse 2, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now I want us to get hold of that. He's testifying to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So what does God want us to see? Well, the central theme of the book of Revelation is Jesus. This is who we are to see. I want to refer back to something that John said in his gospel, something he said about Jesus. This is John 1 verse 1. He said this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14 of John 1, The Word became flesh, made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace. And Revelation 1 verse 3, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. This letter is a letter to bring blessings to all God's people. It tells us about the glorified Lamb of God, the one who is our priest and our king, the judge of all the earth, the one who is the heavenly bridegroom of the church. It's not about chaos, it's not about confusion, it's about love, it's about justice, and it's about order. Listen to the opening address given to the first recipients of this letter. This is Revelation uh, 1, verse 4 through to 8. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us, has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power for ever and ever. Amen. Look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is come, is to come, the Almighty. 
You know, this is a very personal introduction. It's almost uh, like John. We just get the word John. It's like God has taken John to one side. He's placed a comforting hand on his shoulder as he speaks to him in a reassuring way. These are words of encouragement and reassurance. And I want us to spend just a few moments as we remind ourselves of some things that we already know about John. John, one of the first disciples of Jesus. John, who became one of the apostles. Mark 3, verse 17, speaks to us about John and his character. He was quite impetuous. This is what we read. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Bonerges, which means sons of thunder. You know, I'm not sure what that means, but I know it's something about what Jesus saw in the character of James and John. And we see something of this, I believe, in Luke chapter 9, verse 51 through to 56. This is when Jesus and his disciples were not made welcome in a Samaritan village. And this was the reaction, the reaction from James and John. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. Let's stay in Mark. We'll go to Mark chapter 10 and we'll see something of John's arrogance and his ignorance. We see this in verses 35 through to verse 40. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? Asked, he asked. And they replied, Let one of us sit on your right and the other on your left in your glory. You see, they wanted glory without suffering. This was their desire at this point in their lives. A little bit um, <laughs> arrogance and ignorance at the same time. Then the passage goes on in verse 38. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Well, of course, the reality is they couldn't actually drink that cup that Jesus drank. The cup is a reference to suffering and only the suffering of Jesus can be a suffering that can bear uh, the wrath of God. He took upon himself the sins of the world. He was the only one who could do that. But he does call his servants to suffer. So in verse 39, he said, uh, they said to him, we can, they answered Jesus. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. You see, in their ignorance, they say that they can suffer like him. Jesus knows that they can't, but he knows that they will suffer for him. They will suffer in his name. And then Jesus continues in verse 40, and he says, but to sit on my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. You know, this speaks about God is in control. These things are prepared. They don't just happen. They're not coincidence. Jesus would be the first of the disciples to... Uh, J James. James would be the first of the disciples to die for Jesus. And John, at that point, would suffer the pain of losing his brother. It's the only reference we have, really, of one of the 
disciples being martyred. I know we have Stephen, but we're talking about the disciples, the apostles here. And in Acts 12, verse 1 and 2, this is what we read. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Let's just learn a little bit more of what we what we actually already know about John. This time we're going to John's Gospel, John 21, and it's verse 20 through to 25. And here we see one of the things is that John was the youngest of all the disciples. We read this, and this was after the resurrection. It was a time when Jesus called Peter, this is before Jesus ascended back into heaven. He called Peter to one side and he told him what kind of death he, Peter, would be called to die. Verse 20. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus didn't say that he wouldn't die. He said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Verse 24 says, This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. So this is John who's writing this. John, the writer of the Gospel of John. John, the letter writer. He wrote three epistles to the churches. And then in verse 25 of this passage we're looking at, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. This is John speaking at the end of his gospel. John, the writer of the book of Revelation. Now, view of what we've just listened to, tradition tells us that he was the only apostle who was not martyred. What happened to John? Well, he was imprisoned, imprisoned in a Roman penal colony, uh, colony on the island of Patmos. You can go to Patmos. You can holiday there if you want to. It's in the Aegean Sea. It's a real place. These things really happened. And at this time, uh, the revelation being given to John and the letters to the revelation being written and sent around the churches, the churches were suffering a great period of persecution at the ends of the Rome, at the hands of the Roman Empire. And this letter was to be sent out to the seven churches. Now these are churches that existed, these are churches that were there at the time of John's writing, and this letter would be read out to them. We're going to continue um, in this passage, but I think for this evening this will give us a bit of a grounding to help us understand something of, of the book, something of the person who had the revelation given to him, that is John. And we're going to go with John as he goes through the things that the Lord will show him and they will be shown to him so that they can then be shown to us. So, 
Have a read through that passage. Think about the things we've just looked at. And in particular, take with the things that we mentioned at the beginning, those six points that we need to take with us as we go through the book of Revelation. Let's just pray together. Our Father, we thank you that we can come into your presence and we can gather around your word. And we might be coming with different expectations. It might be a book that we've avoided or a book that we've maybe even feared. It might be a book that we've thought we will never understand it. But our Father, they're not reasons for us not coming to this book because you encourage all your servants, those who follow you, those who believe in you, to come and read this book. So our Father, we come to you with our own limited understanding as we lean upon you that we will trust in you and that we might see more of Jesus as we go through this book together. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.